Drill, baby, drill. He had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. America, stay out the bushes. Stay out the bushes. Jet is a mess. And welcome. I thought you were going to interrupt me again. Oh, I don't have anything important to say this time. Oh, except a happy new year? Yeah. We did that. That was last episode. Happy new year. Again? Again. How long do you keep saying Happy New Year? Is it to, like, today's the 4th. Do you keep saying it to, like, the 10th? Or just, like, the weekend after the first of the year? You know there's a Seinfeld bit about this. (laughs) No. Yeah. uh, Jerry getting Happy New Year in February. Oh. Because it's the first time that he had seen that person in the year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, February seems aggressive. Yeah, and then then it became a bit in Curb Enthusiasm as well. Mm. Um. I don't know how those two shows are linked, but we'll figure that out at another time. I'm going to go with <laughs> it's the first after the first weekend. I think I, I, I think after the first weekend. Yeah. Right. Um, at work today, I was having a conversation with a partner. They said, hey, you know, hey, we just noticed today we, we didn't switch back from your holiday creatives to your evergreen creatives. And I said, well, I, I think that that's OK. Like it. You can drive around any neighborhood and you still see Christmas decorations up. So people aren't going to be triggered by seeing a tree anywhere in an ad or uh, or anything. And I don't think that they would be. Um, I um, I don't think that um, uh, <laughs> that Happy New Year, you know, at this, you know, even in the middle of the month, you run into someone for the first time, right? If someone's been away, goes on goes on vacation. How many people go on vacation end of the year? Christmas, New Year, they come back. Hey, Happy New Year! <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, but yeah, no. I think I think there's probably a cutoff after a week or two. You know, you don't need to keep saying it. But um, but here we are. It is a new year. It's been happy and funny so far in some places. Um. In other places, it hasn't. I think we deserve, our audience, I should say, our audience deserves an explanation for the stop-start kind of jumbled episode on Monday. Um, We were recording with the Bills game on in the background. And I mean, we hit record essentially during the end of the Bengals' first drive, uh, like beginning of the Bills' uh first drive so fairly you know in the in with with some a little bit of time off the clock in the first quarter we're talking and talking and talking and obviously we're, we're watching the game we see the replays of of demar hamlin collapsing on the field and we're like oh that's you know that 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 you know, where that doesn't look good. They come, you know, they come back from commercial break, it, and now they're panned out all the way. There's an ambulance on the field. Then it's, oh, this is different. 
Mm-hmm. You know, this is different. Like Josh Allen's visit and Stefan Diggs are visibly crying on the field. The coaches are in tears. I mean, you've got these big defensive and offensive linemen, guys who you just look at and you think tough, right? Like those are the guys that <laughs> for, <laughs> to, to bring one of your fears in, if I wanted to be trapped in an elevator, you know, mm-hmm. maybe have no. one of those, you know, at least someone who I'm out, right. You know, like you feel like in certain scary situations, those are the people you want around. And when those guys are visibly upset, you know that there, there was something wrong. So we, we paused and started again, paused and started again um, during it. And it was obviously very, um, very distracting. Um, and, um, and a whole bunch of other, a whole bunch of other thoughts and emotions as well while watching that, um, unfold on, uh, on Monday night. But, uh, that's the reason for that. And, um, I guess the only update there is that he seems to be progressing in the right direction. We're not going to get into it. This is, if you're, if you're looking for a discussion about why this may or may not have happened to Tamar Hamlin, I can assure you this is not the show for it. You can go somewhere else. Um, last time I checked, I'm not an MD. Are you? Nope. Okay, there we go. So we're gonna we're gonna bow out of that discussion. Other than just passing along of what we know is that there are positive signs. It was obviously a very traumatic event. And that really the only thing that we can do at this time is pray. Yep. That's it. Right? Which is like the crazy, it's it's one of those things where even the, you know, the people who, you're, you know, the, your thoughts and prayers mean nothing, even thoughts and prayers matter, you know, that crowd, they're even thoughts and praying, um, you know, on, on this one, which leads me to indicate there's something to be said for prayer. Yep. Right? There may be... There may be some power there. Maybe a little bit of power prayer. A little bit of power and positive thinking. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about something entirely different. Yeah, you said you were excited, so I assume... Over the past two days, I've had a hard time watching cable news Pretty much since the beginning of the pandemic. I have had a hard time watching cable news for the last 10 years. But there you go. There you go. Probably triggered because I had it on around the clock when I was working in the media. Nevertheless, um, I really haven't spent that much time watching cable news. And even during the primary where the show began, we really only watched the debates. Mm-hmm. You know, we got a lot of our we get a lot of our news news from online online sources, and and back then, um, you know, with what we were trying to do with the show and some of the other things that we were doing, uh, we had I I personally had a little bit more of an online little social media. Um, I was I, I still I think I still had Instagram at that point, maybe, but anyways, um. The past couple of days have been the first time that I have just been truly reinvigorated, glued to cable news, and just an absolutely in love. And you know what? They thank you for your eyeballs. They, I am just absolutely in love with what we saw yesterday and today. <laughs> I'm just getting a kick out of it. And look, and why what, is that? And what were you watching? Well, so I've just been watching. 
I've had Fox on for most of the time. Sometimes put on C-SPAN when it, when Fox goes into other topics because I don't really care what they have to say about other topics. I know the border's a mess. I know our country's going to hell. Joe Biden's our president. I don't need a constant reminder of that. But I am interested in the speaker vote. And this is fascinating. This hasn't happened in our lifetime. So here we go. Here we have an event that has not happened since 1923. And that event is that a speaker of the House did not was not elected on the first vote. Generally speaking, after an election, representatives elect from the parties get together. There, whoever becomes the majority, there's you know there's the horse trading, there's the negotiations between the different fact factions in the party, and generally speaking, yes, it's been a next man up sort of or next woman up, I should say position generally if you were the minority leader or the if you were the minority leader and your party becomes in the majority typically you get elevated to speaker um you know and then your whip may may stay your whip may become your majority leader maybe someone else wants to be majority leader maybe someone else wants to be whip maybe you know there's different pieces of these conferences that are that are available for leadership positions and whatnot and um and so, um, so generally, all this stuff kind of gets figured out behind closed doors, and they have these ceremonial votes. And then the Speaker of the House, the newly elected Speaker of the House, swears in the representatives elect, and then the House of Representatives can carry on with their business. Right? Right. So yesterday was the day when that was supposed to happen. So the Senate had their swearing-in ceremony. No big deal there. All the senators go to Kamala. Hey, Kamala, how's it going? Good to see you. Place your hand on the Bible. Oh, go forward. Take your, you know, get the photo with the uh, entire family, and, and you move on with your day. In the House, they have to elect a speaker, which, as I said, is generally ceremonial. The past two days, it has been anything but ceremonial. And this is mostly, and this is due to a whole mix of factors. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time breaking down the different factors because it's pretty straightforward what's happening. Republicans expected to have 230, 235, maybe even 240 seats in the House. We ended up with like 222, right? So ever since the election, there's been finger pointing. Who's to blame? We want to know who's to blame. We didn't get the outcome we wanted. We must blame someone. And one of the people who has been blamed at times is House Majority or House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who, as House Minority Leader, ran the you know Congressional Leadership Fund, which dispersed millions and millions and millions of dollars to candidates all across the country. Well, people got this money, people got that money. Some people were got were supported and some people were this and that and you know people were uh, they claimed that if you know mccarthy supported these candidates they might have won or if they did this they would have it would have been better and this and that and uh, so there, there's one element to it um i i think the biggest the biggest thing that's going on right now is it's not an ideological battle 
It's not it's not conservatives versus moderates. It's not MAGA versus establishment. It's not swamp drainers versus the swamp. This is just all There's a term that we used to use and and because it's a masculine term, it's not allowed to be used anymore, but I want to bring it back. Okay? This is okay. a pissing contest. This is an old school pissing contest. Um, and all of us spectators should be doing what the Democrats are doing, frankly, which is put our feet up, grab a bowl of popcorn, and watch how this all plays out. Because at the end of the day, the Speaker of the House is a largely symbolic position. They set rules, they set agendas, there's a lot of process, things that they're involved in here and there. But really, at the end of the day, when you think about it, when you're dealing with a majority, a razor-thin majority that the Republicans have, 222 out of 435 seats, that is barely a majority. That is a five-seat majority. I don't care how moderate or wishy-washy or rhino -y you may think a speaker may be that will tick you off. The speaker is no longer in charge of any agenda when the majority is that thin. The people who are in charge of the agenda at that point are the people whose votes he will need to get to go along with what he proposes. And that's going to be these 20 people who are fighting him. Now, look, are any of these 20 people going to vote against a border security bill or a national abortion, national heartbeat bill or are going to be against investigations into Hunter Biden or Dr. Fauci? No, no. Like I said, this is not ideological. This is not about priorities. This is not about what we want to do. This is not, in fact, what's going on right now is actually harming our ability to begin investigations because every day this doesn't, this, every day that this drags on, is one less working day we have to begin investigating what happened during the coronavirus pandemic, how the Biden crime family made their money. It's one less day. So as funny and as amusing as all of this is, and frankly, those are the only words that I can, I can use for it at this point. It's just funny. You know, Joe Biden's out there calling it embarrassing. Like, dude, why would, first of all, why would we care what Joe Biden has to say about what's happening in our party, number one? Number two, dude, it's just us picking the Speaker of the House. It's not that big of a deal. All you people complain about on the left is how Congress doesn't work anymore. Well, we're not working. It's the status quo. Who cares? Right? So I really, I, I, I am not sure if I could care any less about who becomes Speaker of the House. Because at the end of the day, it just simply doesn't matter all that much. All of this is, is one tiny faction who is personally fed up with Kevin McCarthy for whatever reason, they're needling the guy at a time that's supposed to be his crowning career achievement. They're saying, we're not going to give it to you because you ticked us off. That's all this is. That's all this is. And there's no reason for any of us to get worked up about it. And anyone else who's injecting them into this, just, just stay out of it. Okay? Because both sides are right in this. 
both sides are right. The Kevin McCarthy side is right. What's the difference between Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan? Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise and their agenda. There isn't one. You know, I was watching Special Report and Brett Baer is interviewing that Congressman Boebert from Colorado. And I'll get to her and the other 20 and 19 of these 20 in a second. Or 18 of those 20, I should say. But she was saying, you know, what, what are, he asked, like, what, what, what are your demands? Like, what, what, is, what is different? She's like, well, we want, we want to prioritize border security. First of all, she was speaking to Brett Baer as if the Speaker of the House has a magical unilateral power to enact legislation that Joe Biden and the Senate Democrats don't exist. This is how she was speaking. Then people actually believe this. People actually believe that if we elect not Kevin McCarthy, that we'll be able to pass uh, whatever legislation we want, that it will be signed into law. There's people who believe this. There's people who have been tricked into believing this. And, and, and that's not going to happen. Okay, But Congresswoman Boebert seems to believe that it will even though she's a member of the House of Representatives and should know how, her, how the, the legislative process works, she is going on national television and trying to convince people that Kevin McCarthy is the only roadblock between America and a balanced budget and a secure border. That's just not the truth. Never will be the truth and shouldn't be spoken about in terms like that by an elected representative. All right. The second thing, Brett Bear asked, well, are you really suggesting that Jim Jordan and Kevin McCarthy are against a balanced budget and a secure border? She said, well, I don't see them proposing this legislation. Congresswoman Boebert, I would strongly suggest you go back to look at how Jim Jordan, how, what ad, Jim Jordan has advocated for over his time in the House of Representatives and maybe take, maybe take a step back and think about what you're saying about your, your, your colleagues. Because he's the guy that you nominated because you were too scared to nominate yourself. Right. So that Congressman Getz and Congresswoman Boebert and basically all of these 20, except for two people, never nominated themselves, never put their own selves out on the line. So I do want to put that out there as Kevin McCarthy is willing to put his own butt on the line. Getz isn't willing to put his butt on the line. Boebert's not willing to put her butt on the line. Gosser's not willing to put his butt on the line. The only ones were Andy Biggs from Arizona, and Byron Daniels today from Florida. Those are the only two that have said, you want to know what? You want, you, you want an opposition to McCarthy? You can use my name. I respect that, right? Because there's a difference between opposing someone just to be opposition, which is what this is, and opposing someone with an actual agenda that you believe is far superior to the one being proposed. And we... and. To those of you who are, well, I'll get to that in a second. I would just simply say this. The group of 20 who are against McCarthy have not put together formally what their list of demands are, and how this would achieve what they are looking to achieve. Now, and that's fine. Technically, they don't have to, right? You, you're, you're allowed to be opposition. You're just allowed to be opposition. Let's simply see this. 
it makes your arguments more credible when you're fighting for something rather than when you're just fighting against something. Because it's one thing to fight against something. It's a completely another thing to fight against something and offer a viable alternative. And they started to offer, a, they finally today offered a viable alternative in an actual person, in Byron Daniels, when yesterday, Bobert and Getz kept going up there and saying, oh, Jim Jordan. And Jim Jordan standing up there going, hi, I nominate Kevin McCarthy. Okay? I'm not involved with these people. I don't know why they're using me as a meat shield. But apparently Matt Getz is such a coward that he cannot bear to put his own butt on the line. So I will simply say this. If you are looking for people to follow of this group of 20, if you are looking for people who might be guiding lights in the future, don't look for the people who are looking for others to fight their battles for them. Look for the people who are actually fighting their own battles. Okay? Because there's a difference between fighting and being a fighter. There's one piece of commentary, two pieces of commentary that, or, or well, there's just one piece of commentary that I want to get to on this. And I think it speaks to why I believe a lot of us are mostly amused, but partially just annoyed at this, and which is that When you look around America today and you look at the problems we have in society, do you really think an elected representative or a politician is going to fix that? No. Like do you think like do you think that Kevin if Kevin McCarthy doesn't become speaker and let's say what what some people want, let's say let's say Byron Daniels becomes speaker of the house. Does America change overnight? No. But they do set the agenda, right? So wouldn't we not be able to prosecute Hunter Biden and all that nonsense? Oh, so, okay. So I see what you're getting at. No. So I'm going to get to that point. Byron Daniels is the person who is now the conservative opposition person on the Republican Party. You're thinking of Hakeem Jeffries on the Democrat side. We're going to get to Mr. Jeffries and what Mr. Getz said. Um, But, and that's that's kind of what what we're getting at here. And and David Harsanyi, longtime conservative columnist, wrote this today, and I thought this was great. This is about saving the country and getting somebody that's going to cut and get us on a financial path of solvency, claims McCarthy supporter Ralph Norman. Okay. First of all, first of all, the last time, president, four years, 2016, 2020, when Republicans had the House and the White House, our budgets were a complete disaster, okay? So you've already had your opportunity to get balanced budgets passed, and y'all didn't do that, all right? Because it wasn't a priority for the Trump administration. The Trump administration did not care about a balanced budget. They did not care about fiscal responsibility. You you cannot fight this battle anymore, right? On, like Republicans, like it's a very hard battle for Republicans to fight. It's a very hard battle for Donald Trump to fight. By the way, Donald Trump complaining about a balanced budget when he had four years to sign one, he's not really allowed to talk about that. But 
Anyways, this is about saving the country and getting somebody that's going to cut and get us on a path to a financial to a financial path of solvency, claims McCarthy supporter Ralph Norman. Well, guess what? Kevin McCarthy isn't Henry Clay. He possesses next, no extraordinary skill or vision that makes him uniquely qualified to stop the Democrats' next spending bill, much less, quote, save the country. The conceit and sanctimony of politicians who believe the world is in desperate need of their talents is endlessly insufferable. If you want to venerate middling House members, become a Democrat and throw your hosannas at Nancy Pelosi. And this is exactly why so many of us are sick of this. Because not only do we not think that Kevin McCarthy is going to solve the problem, we don't think any of the 434 other members of the House of Representatives are going to solve the problem, and certainly not any other 20, 221 members that quote-unquote call themselves Republicans. Okay, This is a meaningless position. Okay? Furthermore, furthermore, both sides of this have fallen into this trap. It's not just the McCarthy supporters, it's also that gang of 20 who think that, no, their person is the one person, the one person who's going to solve all of America's problems. If you think that America's, that the fix for America's problems comes from the government, you may be in the wrong political movement if you call yourself a conservative. You may more you may be a Democrat more than a Republican and a liberal more than a conservative. If you think that the government at the end of the day is going to be solved the is going to be able to solve the actual issues we face as a society. Period. End of sentence. So I've had a blast watching this. Because it's high comedy. Because all you have are all of these megalomaniacs going up on Fox News and saying how they have they 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 are the ones. They are the you are not. You are not. You are not, you are not, you are not. So how about you figure out the person who's gonna get these investigations kickstarted? The person who's gonna be the biggest pain in the butt to Joe Biden. You elect them. And we move on with the day, okay? Because when it comes down, push, you know, when it comes down to everything, we all agree on like 90% of the same stuff. So let's just focus on that and move on. I personally hate it. I just think we look really bad. It just once again tells the American public we're incapable of doing anything. And I, I, I think it's terrible. And there's no way I could watch 24-7 of that. Absolutely not. It's pretty, it's pretty entertaining. It really is. I mean, if you look at it... It's ridiculous. I guess if you're cynical when it comes to the workings of our government and whether Congress can really you know, solve all of these issues, which I don't think it can, which is why I think Congress should stop writing laws and just put the power back to the people. This goes back to I pay your taxes. Yes. What What am I paying you for? So mm. you all can just have a holiday and keep voting? That yes. doesn't mean anything? Yes. It just is infuriating. Also, why do they get a bunch of, of re-votes and we can't get one here in Arizona for the governor? Uh, well, in fairness to the House of Representatives, they actually force people to say who they're voting for. Yeah, they have a real count. Yeah, they have a real count. 
uh, that they check afterwards too. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I, I guess they just, I'm not concerned about this at the end of the day. I hope we come to some sort of conclusion sooner rather than later. And I hope that we keep our noses down as a party, simply reject the legislation that Joe Biden wants to have passed, just kind of refuse to work with him, um, investigate the hell out of his administration, and bring the fight to him in 2024. So when do you think they're going to finally wrap this up? I think it'll be by the end of the week. The end of the week? Yeah, I think tomorrow's going to be one more day of jockeying, but I think they got to wrap it up by Friday. I think it's, it's you know, I mean, the, the problem is at this point now that it's gone on for two days. This is a clown show. It, it, it's, it's, it's kind of dependent on how far this group of 20 really wants to drag it out. I mean, they've kind of said that they'll drag it out for two years and there just won't be a Congress. I... I have a hard time believing that that would actually play out that way. I have a feeling that... I feel like there's some loophole that somebody would pull. Well... Like, okay, we're just not going to have a speaker. Yeah, I, I have... There just something something would happen. Something would happen. I mean, look, at the end of the day, there's 320 million of us. There's 435 of them. Something would happen, right? If the government decided to, like, really act that way. So right now, is he just not meeting a certain number of votes? Yes. Or he doesn't have a majority? Yeah. They would just switch and be like, "He has a majority. We move on." I, I mean, theo- I mean, I don't know what the process would be for unseating members at this point, but I guess theoretically, there's a possibility that if you got down to a situation where there were five people, five holdouts, who said, "We're not going through with this. We're holding up the works for everyone until we get what we want," I guess there is a possibility the other 430 members of the house could figure out what to do with them. Like if there was a 430. Person, cons- I mean, how could you get 430 people in America to agree on anything? But if you got 430 members of Congress to agree that five people needed to go, they might be able to expel them and just move on and just go, you want to know what? Sorry to you five districts. You got to send other people because they're, they're, they're stopping everything for the rest of the country. I don't, I don't really know how that would play out, but I'm assuming that, I mean, it, 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 it could play out that way. You know, and two of them would be from Arizona. Oh, God. <laughs> not from our district, though, right? No, not our district. No, not our district. Um, what district? Some Podunk town? Well, it would be Getz's district and Bobert. You know that they're not. That's Florida and Colorado. That would be two districts. No, no, no. In Arizona, where, of, where are these? Oh, people? I forget where Gosar and Biggs are from. They're from around the area. You said Ghost Heart? Gosar. Gosar and Andy Biggs. How do you spell Biggs. that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Gosar, like that? No. That doesn't seem right. You're Arizona just... representative. Let's see how smart Google is with my bad. Here we go. You keep... Okay. Okay, thank you. Uh, ninth district. That doesn't help me. Um... Give me a city, a town. I hate this. Why, why do they have to be districts? Arizona 9th District. Oh, look, it's over. It, they got the Hula Pai Indian Reservation. <laughs> it's everything west of Phoenix. It's a massive district. Because yeah, there's no one there. Yeah, Kingman. Wait, let's zoom out the map. 
wait, why did it go away? Ugh, Google stupid. Well, okay, they got rid of the line, but uh, what? Is, I don't even know what the... Oh, they have Quartzsite. Oh, nice. That might be the biggest town they have. Yeah, Kingman. Is that Arizona? Kingman's Arizona. Yeah. I don't understand why it... Yeah, so they got Kingman and Quartzsite. All right. All right. Well, anyways, anyways, we, we don't need to get into fantasy politics season. We do have stuff to talk about. I don't know how it would play out, but I would assume that in an extreme case where there are five people who are literally making the, the who are literally preventing people from being sat and doing even the basic jobs of the House of Representative, which things do need to kind of get past to keep lights on and stuff. Like, I would assume that there, there's some sort of process for removing those people. And I, that was probably what it would come to at the end of the day. Um, last word that I'd have to say, there are some conservatives out there who are talking about maybe we'll just vote for Hakeem Jeffries to stick it to the man. Um, anyone who recommends voting for a Democrat, they're a Democrat, right? That's, that's, a very, that's a very simple litmus test. If someone says, oh, maybe we'll vote for Hakeem Jeffries, like what Matt Getz did, well, I now consider him to be a Democrat. Um, Anyone who's, who thinks that you should support someone who believes that there are no limits on abortion, that four-year-olds should be able to have sex change operations, that, um, th- that, um, that you should have your 401k confiscated if you make over a certain amount of money, um, I don't support that, never will support that. That's communism. We don't support that on the right. This is something that we are against. Communism and progressivism is the leading ideology on the left. Another discussion that we'll get into another point. One of the problems we have on our side is that there's no more leading ideological light for us to wrap around. But there is on the left. It's progressivism. It's communism. And voting for it, Democrats will lie and give you the concessions that you think you're looking for in word, and then like Lucy, they're going to pull the football away from you, Charlie Brown. So just, this is a very good time to just note people on our side who go, maybe we vote for Jeffries. Get it over with, right? Because those are people who at the end of the day are knee-jerk liberals, who have who are against everything we stand for as conservatives. So no voting for Democrats, okay? You vote for a Democrat, go caucus with them, go off and kill babies with them, have fun. You don't cut off your nose to spite your face. I don't care how... <laughs> I keep saying the term rhino. I don't even know what rhino means anymore. I know what the acronym used to stand for, Republican and name only, but that's really not what it stands for anymore. I don't really know what rhino stands for anymore. We've got to have a discussion on this. What's a rhino? It used to be it used to be a liberal Republican, right? It used to be someone I don't want to fight the social war. Ah, we need a lower tune. Oh, let's go to war! Come on, another war, guys. Those are the rhinos. People who don't "Ah, we don't want to touch entitlements. Those are the rhinos. Not people who want to balance the budget and cut taxes and build a wall. Come on, fine. You now need a government ID to access porn in Louisiana. Yikes. More like, yeah. Who's giving up their... A new law makes porn sites liable for content deemed harmful to minors if it doesn't install age verification technology for anyone accessing them in Louisiana. 
and it's already affecting how people in the state access Pornhub. The law, which was signed by Louisiana's Democratic governor, John Bell Edwards, in June became effective on January 1, 2023. The law, passed as Act 440, states any commercial entity that knowingly or intentionally publishes or distributes material harmful to minors on the Internet from a website that contains a substantial portion of such material shall be held liable if the entity fails to perform reasonable age verification methods to verify the age of individuals attempting to access the material. So Eight. does that apply to like Planned Parenthood, all the transgender websites? So this is, so material that's harmful to minors, according to ACT, is defined as appealing to uh, 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 it consists of, um, man, if you've got a kid around you, you want to earmuff them? I'll give you a five-second warning here, okay? <laughs> I mean, material harmful to minors, kids, earmuffs. Okay, five, four, three, two, one. This is material that consists of pubic hair, anus, vulva, genitals, or nipple of the female breast, touching, caressing, or fondling of nipples, breasts, buttocks, anuses, or genitals, sexual intercourse, masturbation, sodomy, bestiality, oral copulation, flagellation, excretory functions, exhibitions, or any other sexual act, and lacks, quote, serious literary, literary, artistic, political, or scientific value for someone under the age of 18. So You're, we've gotten past the we can't define porn, we know it when we see it, and we're just going to define it. Yeah, so I was about to say, they're <laughs> attempting to define pornography here, which I think it's a very broad definition that they're, they're going for here, which I think is, which I think in this case is the smart way to go about things. Um... My, I'm, I am now curious as to whether Pornhub fights fire with fire and now put, starts putting educational videos, right? Or start, you know, finds a way to be like free hosting for um, like, you know, cooking instruction videos or something. Ew. <laughs> Sorry, that's just the capitalist in me thinking, how do I get around this government regulation if I'm a pornographer? Um, not, not to give them any ideas. Um, I think this is fantastic. Seeing a Democrat sign it into law gives me more hope that something like this may be making its way into more states. It's not something that I'm a fan of nationwide, obviously. Federal government, big swing and a miss. However, states want to do it. I find this to be great. I find it pretty crazy that you can walk into a 7-Eleven, ask for a Playboy, and they ask for your ID, and that at that same counter, you can pull out your phone and pull up um, images of, um, as Katie said, I know it when I see it. <laughs> and you could show the clerk what you are seeing that's even more graphic than what would appear in the magazine, and he would still say, I'm sorry, you are underage. So <laughs> there's, there's a little bit of a disconnect there in our society. I think we're just really balancing it out. I really don't see this as anything more than us adapting to the digital age and simply putting in safeguards that we we have just not put in yet. We've not put in place yet. I mean, the proliferation of internet pornography is really one of the most horrific things that's happened. 
and the the ability to access such content is for some people it's a really big problem i guess it's a it's a really big problem and i can't it can't be good to be exposed to that at a young age no so the more safeguards we have on this kind of content the better just say the better not a, you know this is just one of those things where hey listen there you have to be you have to be a certain age to drive you have to be a certain age to drink hopefully well you'll have to be of a certain age to have a sex change operation <laughs> hard to get those words out of my mouth and i think it's reasonable to have it be a certain age of whether you can purchase pornographic content right even our movie our movies they don't let you in if you're under 17 the ID for that, for crying out loud. Yeah. I've got so many stories to get through. This is, this is a long one. This might be our longest episode ever. It's going to be one of the, it's going to be one of the longest ones. There's, okay, this is the last story that I'm going to bring up. Okay. We have to come up with a food topic. Or New Year's topic. Okay. So I'll, I'll get on that. I'll get on that. Think about that. That anyways. I want to bring you a story from Madison, Wisconsin. Early in 2020, an indigenous artist urged the owners of a new music music venue in town to change its name. It was called the Winnebago. After the street on which it stands. What was this, copyright infringement? Many indigenous people and allies let the owners know that wasn't the best name for a white-owned music venue. Isn't it the name of of a car? One of these, them, was Nibi Waka Migui, a founding member and co-owner of the Queer Indigenous Artist Collective, Gij. Wow, how many people are in that? G-I-I-G-E. And budding leader of Madison's indigenous arts community. It took several months, but the venue eventually relented and rebranded as the Burr Oak. I'm glad the owners have decided to no longer profit from the identities of indigenous peoples. Nibiwaka Migui wrote in an editorial for Our Lives Wisconsin. I'm glad the name is going, but I'm not happy the institutions that allowed it to be stolen in the first place remain. For over 500 years, indigenous peoples have not controlled our narratives and representations. Our exclusion has been built into inclusion for others. Others. Here's the problem. What do you think the problem is? Isn't this already trademarked by the car company? Who made the Winnebago? Wasn't there a car named the Winnebago? Yeah, there's there's, there's wagons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. RVs. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's the other problem? What other problem might you find with this story? Uh, besides the fact that it's ridiculous. Well, it turns out that Nibiwaka Migui um, is actually named Katie Leclaire. 
Um, That's offensive. Since at least 2017, Kay LeClaire, as she goes by, has claimed Matisse Oneida Anishinaabe. I'm glad you're pronouncing these names. How did Osauni Cuban and Jewish heritage? Additionally, they identify as a two-spirit, a term many indigenous people use to describe a non-binary gender identity. In addition to becoming a member and cone of Zhij, Kay LeClaire earned several artist stipends, a paid residency at the University of Wisconsin, a place on the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Task Force, and many speaking gigs and art exhibitions, not to mention a platform and trust of a community all based on an ethnic identity that appears to have been fully, fully fabricated. Ay, ay, ay. This lady took Rachel Dolezal to a whole new level yeah it's the name of a car people basically so what happened was is that someone was looking into her and going there's something that doesn't add up here there's something about her that doesn't add up and so there is a a, a, a a new age fraud forum, apparently, to kind of suss out people in this, uh, I guess, area who may be claiming fake heritages, mm. fake, uh, you know, they don't, you know, if you're going to be claiming, if you're going to be claiming that your ancestors suffered, your ancestors have better suffered, right? Not, you know, so that's what they were doing. So anyway, someone started to look up this and... Um, And apparently, what tipped this person off, um, um, that uh, Leclerc was only using uh, a single name as her as her indigenous name, but this person said, "Well, that." It, oh. But but in o- Ojibwe culture, a single name is not typically is not isn't is something that would only typically be used in a ceremony, or with other people who are part of your community. So Uh-oh. the fact that she'd be going outside of her community, you Uh-oh. know, and 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 there, she would not be, she would you should have been giving her formal name. So that's what tipped this person off. Um, gotta know the rules. Yep, and um, and so, anyways, this person started to use online records and resources and found out that she is German, Swedish, and a dash of French Canadian. So not even... She's a Quebecois! Not even a smidge native. No, nothing. Nada. Nada. Um, absolutely fantastic. So yeah, this woman was just like a complete, complete, complete phony to the point where she was like taking indigenous gifts, like goods that were given to her as gifts, and selling them on Etsy. Mm. So not only... Was she trafficking and, and, and profiting off of a fake, a fake heritage? But then she was also um, she was also uh, taking what would be these works of indigenous art, solid, and selling them as trinkets on eBay. 
and Etsy. Perfect. She's going to work full time to, you know, provide restitution to the indigenous community that she only wanted to help. That's right. She only wanted to help. That's right. That's all she wanted to do. All right. So, food. My New Year's resolution is to become an Indian. Okay, Elizabeth. <laughs> all right, food topic? I don't have one. I I got one. You got one. Ugh, I just thought of it because I'm a genius. Okay. Um, okay, so I don't think we did this last time, but I think the people need to know what do you like to eat on New Year's Eve? Uh, pork on New Year's Eve, or just chicken on New Year's Eve, pork on New Year's Day. No, 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 no. What's your tradition? My tradition? Yeah. My Chinese food? Yeah. Why did you, when did that start? How did that start? Because this is not something we do on the West Coast. But yet mm. you and other New Englanders I know all oh. abide by the Chinese rule. Not only oh. that, not only do they abide by it, but so many people do it that when you try to get Chinese on New Year's Eve, it is a whole process. You got to call ahead oh, way yeah. early, stand in line. It's a whole thing. So explain to me how this came to be. Well, I guess. In this Was it just the only thing open? <laughs> oh, well, no. Um, <laughs> why this came to be. I really don't know. It's uh, in our family have been doing it forever. We, um, I, I don't want to say we're like, we, 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 um, you know, when you're a kid growing, so, okay. So we, the, there's like nostalgia, like coming back. I'm like uh -huh. now, now things are like getting triggered. The, the 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 mouse wheels, the hamster wheels in my mind are now turning. So there you go. So growing up, for as long as I can remember, we had Chinese food, right? And there's um, the superstitions that you know about that that you have pork uh, on New Year's Eve or chicken on New Year's Eve and uh, pork on New Year's Day. Uh, chickens scratch or, or they scratch backwards, right? So you want to scratch all the bad back and pigs they burrow forward So going into New Year's you always want to be going forward But you don't have chicken on New Year's Day because then you scratch backwards the entire year Nevertheless um, So we've always had Chinese food. I think it's just because it's a really easy thing people gather right people gather a lot of times people gather for new years or families get together or i mean who maybe i'm just gonna have to it's Google not it, a random like, it's not a random every... tuesday in june where you're making a casserole for the kids you know you don't want to cook okay what are the food options okay mom and dad don't want to cook tonight or you know we don't want to cook tonight we don't want to put in an effort to put in putting together a whole big feast so I don't know. We've just always had Chinese food. I don't know why everyone else eats Chinese food. Why did why did Jewish people eat Chinese food on Christmas? Well, it's the only thing open. Oh, there you go. It's one of the things that's open. Okay. Uh, so the Sun Chronicle from Massachusetts wrote an article about this in 2013. That this no one knows when this Massachusetts tradition started, but it's been stressing out restaurant owners for decades. So it is just this random New England thing. How did they not get to the bottom of this? This must have been some sort of 
early advertising thing that has just has just stuck. Yeah. And the reason I just think it's funny is because for as long as we've been together, you've always insisted we do this. So we've done this in many different areas. And the only place where we've had an issue getting the food has been in New England. So clearly not a tradition outside of New England. Like we got it here in Arizona. No problem. Didn't have to wait. Was done in 30 minutes. That was wild. Do you want to tell them about the story in Dover? When we ordered Chinese food? From whatever that place is called? Oh, Chinese Yan? Yeah. Oh, we had to wait in line for an hour and a half to pick it up? Yeah. We called it in like super early. I want to say like three o'clock. Yeah. Three o'clock. Got in line at six. Got it. It got home by eight. Yeah. That's I'm no, we're not joking, folks. We're not, we're not joking. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Pandemic, whatever. Let me tell you, the pandemic had nothing to do with this. This is just how it works. And let me tell you something. If you are ever in Dover, New Hampshire, and you're looking for a Chinese place to eat, go to China Yan, because that is some of the most delicious Chinese food or food of any kind that you will ever have. All right? Do not judge a book by its cover. You're going to look at that yellow awning, and you're going to go, I don't know about this. Trust me. Walk through the door. Your stomach will thank me later. So, yeah, but we had to deal with this growing up because um, Pine Garden, we'd go to Pine Garden. We were a Pine Garden family. And Pine Garden, yeah, same thing. You got college in four. They'll pick it up at seven. What time do you think we'll be ready? Mm, 7.30. That is just And then you get there. And right, and you get there. And there's no such thing as a big, well, except for the Kowloon, there's really no such thing as a big neighborhood Chinese restaurant, right? It's minimalist design, mostly a Chinese restaurant. Food's great. Like, right, it's no spectacle. You're going to get food. So the lobby areas of the Chinese restaurants are not large areas because they want to maximize the space where their customers are sitting. So in New Hampshire, when you show up, you've got 16 layers on. You've got, you're sweating from all the layers. You've got snow and muck all over you. And now you're stuffed inside a Chinese restaurant lobby with 10 other people going, Hey, my order ready? Yeah, oh, yeah, 10 minutes. My order ready? Hey, you're after him. Yeah, the line was insane. Not only was it all the way down the street and around the corner, and it took you an hour just to get in there, but at that point, unknown if your food would be ready. So you might get to the front and still have to wait. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It was not we well organized. Swore. We swore. It, it, they didn't start making your order until you got to the front. Be like, what order is that? All right. Well, yeah, we're, we'll bring it out in two minutes. Yeah, you got to start making the canning order right now here. Okay, well, I'm glad I Googled this. This is some sort of weird New England tradition that doesn't have a reason, but we will. I will find the reason at some point. Someone somewhere must know why this is a thing yeah when you kept asking for my tradition i was like what are you talking about because i have like i mean it's it's, it's so i can, will say can you now you appreciate that this is a weird thing like this is only in new england i don't think it's weird but it's only in new england well no it's in arizona because we brought it here no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it's only new england that's what the article said maybe it is i don't know all right that was our food topic. This is literally our longest episode. Definitely going to be so our longest. So for one other, the one person who's kept listening. For the nostalgia thing, I just have to say for the hamster. It's running around in my head. During New Year's Eve, MTV used to do a countdown of the 100 best music videos of the year. And they talked about Chinese food? <laughs> was it was just it? something you had on during oh, the day. Oh, there was nothing more to that story. That was it. Okay. 
My sister and I really liked it. Okay. okay we great. were big fans of it growing up. It was something you look forward to love, on New Year's Eve. We got the hundred movie count the hundred best music video countdown. Okay. But that had nothing to do with Chinese food, so just so we're all on the same page. <laughs> no. When was did, did you have champagne as a kid? No. A little sip? No. First of all, my parents didn't even have champagne, so there was no sip to be had. But even if there was, we weren't going to get any. I forget how we have a little, little little, taster. Yeah, well, you New Englanders, you do things a little differently. You got to stay warm, baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You will hear us on Friday. Probably? Cool. Uh, probably. We uh, do have a guest in town, but maybe. we'll see. Who knows? You might not hear us till Monday. Might not be Monday. Yeah. That's why we went extra long. Yeah, exactly. It'll tide you over. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. The chant is drill, baby, drill. He had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. Stay out the bushes. Jet is a mess. <laughs> <laughs>